재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Some years ago I started calling myself Ginger Peter Sherlock Rosemary Emmanuel The Archbishop of Canterbury You may know me better as The Real Slim Shady Rumoured to be the new signing for Westminster and the Thames. And I just love to ride horses. But only if the Banjo Union Bolt has been correctly fitted. First chapter. It is time again for first chapter. We read you an excerpt from a different book every Sunday morning, usually from the exposition. Today I'll be reading from Chong Yi-hyun's Trunk, or In the Trunk. In this story, the protagonist is an executive at a cosmetics company who's learned early on that most people in the world cannot afford the luxury of romantic love. Still, she takes advantage of the myth of romantic love that other people still buy and uses her feminine charm to get ahead in life. In the part I'll read today, we see the dark side of our protagonist's glamorous life. I'll be back after Andrea Bocelli singing Conte Partiro. In the Trunk by Chong Yi-hyun Kwon had posted himself outside the bathroom. When she tried to get around him, he grabbed her by the arm. Why aren't you answering? He was so sensitive these days. Sorry, I forgot to recharge, she murmured, her tone impassive. You forgot? Don't make me laugh. Kwon growled. Hurry up, I'll be waiting. Without a backward look, she scurried to her desk, powered down her desktop, locked her drawer, then took her time putting on her coat. She hated it when things got complicated for no good reason. By now, the large open office was practically empty. She approached the office girl sitting at her desk near the door, hunched over, wrapped up in something or other. Hard at work, Sunmi? The girl jumped to attention. On the desk was her open diary about the size of a pair of cupped palms. She imagined the pages festooned with stickers of hearts and butterflies, the writing round and squat. Don't kick the ashes, don't make a mess. Or some such saying jotted down on the first page. She placed a sisterly hand on the girl's shoulder. How about a ride to the subway? It's cold out there. Kwon was waiting in the parking lot in his old car. Sammi kept lagging behind. She waited till the girl caught up with her, then, right in front of Kwon, nonchalantly linked arms with her. The street was a virtual parking lot, par for the course during Friday rush hour. She looked in the mirror, didn't see Kwon's car. It wouldn't be easy to follow her unless he knew where she was going, and he was smart enough not to be obvious in his intentions. Ma'am, this is a really cool car. She had to laugh. The girl was so unaffected. It occurred to her that this was the first direct compliment she'd heard in the month since she'd gotten the car. 
If it was one of her co-workers, it would have been something like, How do you like that car? I read it was last year's top seller. Most of them prefer to cite statistics rather than voice their opinions. Instead of replying to the girl, she turned on the CD player. Out came the voice of Bocelli singing Conte Partiro. Lucky you, ma'am. You get to go anywhere you want. The girl sighed, her voice almost lost in the music. Me? Lucky? Lucky to be stuck in traffic? Respectful and gently indulgent as always, the girl giggled. She had thought of the girl as an automaton going about her chores with all the quiet efficiency of a copy machine. But here outside the office, she could see there was still a lot of the young girl about her. She tried in vain to remember what her own laughter had sounded like when she was Sunmi's age. Her first job had been at a cosmetic surgery clinic. The job listings posted on campus were mostly for the male students who had completed their compulsory military service before graduating, or else postings for instructors at junior high cram schools. The clinic was in Apgujeongdong, a part of Seoul she had never been to. Her fate would be decided by the clinic director's wife. Nice eyes. The outlines are perfect, and they're natural. She'd never dreamed she would be hired on the basis of her double eyelids rather than her TOEIC score or her proficiency with software. But at the time, nine years ago, she was relieved simply to land a job. She lasted eight months there wearing a light pink version of a doctor's whites and a tiny name tag that read coordinator, advising clients of the per facial feature or per body part fees and the various payment plans, some of which came with a discount. That first job didn't appear on any of her subsequent resumes. She glanced at the girl. Her hair was in a ponytail grown wild. Little balls of fabric were showing on her duffel coat, and her student backpack was a knockoff. No way she would relive that period of her life. For the umpteenth time, the car came to a standstill. What would you like to be? She asked the girl, and then asking herself why she'd blurted the question she followed up with. Everybody has a dream, right? Something they're hoping for? Well, you'll know soon enough. And then they were moving again. Thank you, ma'am, said the girl before disappearing down the steps to the subway. She switched on the traffic channel, wondering if she could have saved time by taking a different route. The South River Loop is stop and go from Yangjae to the National Arts Center, and coming the other way, we have slowdowns approaching Yangjae. As for the expressways... She checked the time, less than 20 minutes, and stepped on the gas. Brendan wouldn't appreciate a dinner date showing up late.
6 maggio 1992 Caro Babbo Friday, 7.30 p.m. Brendan was pleased with the meal, a quintet of cold appetizers followed by shark's fin soup, deep-fried sable fish and soy dressing and beef tenderloin. There's this Chinese bar I go to in Soho. You might have Mark Jacobs sitting next to you, but nobody pays any attention. We should go there sometime. She finished all of her portions. When I learned I was assigned to Seoul, well, to be honest, I was worried, but now that I'm here, I think it was a great move. Great. Brandon's Korean was skimpy on adverbs, but great came out so often, she had no doubt he was sincere. That's wonderful. The atmosphere is so different now that you're in charge. It's, well, it's much more lively. Brandon was looking right into her big eye contact lenses. While Brandon took care of the bill, she was in the women's room vomiting her meal. Keeping a size 26 waist was more aggravating and difficult than it looked, but she'd done it for 15 years now. She scrubbed her teeth, touched up her lipstick, and checked her cell phone for voice messages. There were three, all from Quan. You're with that guy, aren't you? I warned you it's not going to work. I'll be waiting. It was bad enough him being hypersensitive, but these days he was acting so juvenile. Not that she was ignorant of his feelings. Without his backing, it would have taken her much longer to get to where she was in the company. For sure, they had been a good team the last five years, both personally and professionally. The thing was, Kwon had been aiming for the directorship of the Korea branch of N Cosmetics, a position long vacant. And as far as anyone could tell, he was the heir apparent. But then a month ago, headquarters in New York City had dispatched Brandon, a Korean-American with an MBA from the Wharton School of Business, University of Pennsylvania. Kwon had flown into a rage, but she understood the decision. Kwon, a graduate of a provincial university thanks to an ROTC scholarship, couldn't hold a candle to Brandon. The valets had their cars ready and waiting. Brandon made for the trunk of his car and came back with a bouquet of roses. Red roses in full bloom. The bouquet held with a cream-colored satin bow. What a romantic evening. She was the queen of the night and her face blossomed in a smile, showing her perfect teeth. 7.30 p.m. She gazed out the window at the relentless snowfall. Quant wasn't answering at work. Only after several fumbling tries at punching in his number did she remember it was Saturday and everyone had left the office at noon. Rule number one, no calls to Quant's cell phone on weekends and holidays. It was an ironclad rule. The year before last, her father had passed away, and because it was a holiday, she had waited before informing Quan. I wish I'd known, Quan had said after paying his respects along with others from the office. She'd pretended she hadn't heard. Quan is the only one you can think of at a time like this? She berated herself as she dropped the receiver. How in God's name did she get in there? 
She paced her studio, gnawing on her thumbnail, wondering how she would ever untangle herself from this mess. Someone had kidnapped the girl, then dumped her in the trunk. How else to explain it? A wave of dizziness swept over her. The girl hadn't shown up for work that morning. We're out of paper. She remembered Yoon muttering to no one in particular. Where's Sunmi? She didn't call in sick or anything? Kids these days, they're useless. And then in a loud enough voice for all the admin staff to hear, From now on, why can't we get a girl full-time, someone from a commercial high school? She now realized she had forgotten dropping off the girl the previous evening. She visualized the girl disappearing down into the subway, heard the patter of her heels on the steps, saw her puny shoulders inside the coat with its synthetic weave and the long, dark clump of her ponytail. Her legs felt rubbery. Among the 35 employees of the Korea branch of N Cosmetics, she was the very last person to see Sunmi alive. She plopped down onto the floor. The blood-red roses in the crystal vase silently regarded her. we played in between were tracks from Andrea Bocelli, starting with Amio Padre, followed by Conradiana. Today I read from Jung Hyun's Trunke, or In the Trunk, translated by Bruce and Chutan Fulton. The story was published as part of the Asia Publishers K-Fiction Bilingual Editions. Copies are available any place where books are sold. Jung Hyun has been writing since 2002 when her first short story collection, Nangmanjok Sarangwa Sahwe, or Romantic Love and Society, was published. According to her author biography, this book was recognized as seminal work in that it represented a viewpoint completely different from the 1990s women writers' narrative of self-affirmation through withdrawal or extramarital affairs. If you want to know what happens when female characters become subversive, check out Jung Hyun's In the Trunk. It is time for this week's quote. Today, I'll read from a list of likes by Roland Barthes, written in 1977. I like salad, cinnamon, cheese, pimento, marzipan, loosely held political convictions, Glenn Gould, Two cold beer, flat pillows, toast, Havana cigars, handle, slow walks, pears, white peaches, cherries, colors, watches, all kinds of writing pens. Once again, that was from Roland Barthes' list of things he likes, written in 1977. We have arrived at the end of our show. Please go to our website if you would like to learn more about next week's topic. I'm Jamie Chang. 
Have a wonderful week and tune in again next Sunday at 10 a.m. for another brand new installation of The Bookend. Taking us out is The Prayer by Andrea Bocelli. Watch us where we are